Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All right, everyone. I hope you've got your engines revving. It's a live edition of the main course this Sunday. We're broadcasting out of Roberta's Restaurant at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn, off the Morgan L train stop. We got Joe in studio. Joe, are you still awake? Joe. I'm here. Hey, Joe. How's it going? You Do- were, uh, He got to you, huh, a little bit this week? Yeah. Yesterday, it was probably mid-90s and i was walking around and sweating and getting heat exhaustion now you're the lead singer in a band and uh, you must get pretty hot up on stage as well though yeah it's true actually we were supposed to play a show yesterday we had to cancel because i was so sick oh man bummer well at least you didn't show up like two hours late like rihanna and everyone boos you off the stage you you manned up and said i can't play that's good what's the name of your band again big ups big ups so um, I am very excited. Well, first of all, I'm excited about White Oak Pastures. Uh, that is really interesting grass-fed beef being raised down in Bluffton, Georgia. And I was talking to Will the other day, and I was like, Will, you know, there's something about the taste of the food there. He's like, well, I'm not the first one to discover that. It actually, Bluffton was the largest city north of Mexico, uh, like 2,000 years ago. And I guess people just flocked there because the Georgia landscape, the terroir is just so lovely. Um, anyway, we thank him for sponsoring the show. And I'm very excited to have one of my favorite people, Jody Williams, in studio. Bonjour. Bonjour. Patrick. Happy <laughs> to be here. Yeah, it's very exciting to have you. I mean, a lot of people not from New York, you know, they might hear about, you know, Union Square Cafe or Gramercy Tavern or Babo. And yet, there is a real jewel of a restaurant named Bouvette. It's a very tiny place. It is Alice Waters' favorite restaurant in New York. That is uh, not uh, a light (laughs) compliment. That is a very serious one. Um, And yes, it's just a lovely, lovely place. Uh, Jody is a master at creating a... It's basically everyone's favorite restaurant. If you go there, it's in the top two or three for everybody. And it's perfect. Everything is perfect and very charmingly and consistent. So I'm trying to build it up, but uh, we will uh, start the interview. Um, So Jody, tell us... uh, Oh, and by the way, this is also a celebration of people who have books coming out in the spring of 2014. Well, let's start with that just to get a sense of it. So it's called Bouvette, The Pleasure of Good Food. Right. I just finished a book with Grand Central. It's called Bouvette, The Pleasure of Good Food. And as you said, to the spring 2014, it should be it should be out. It was intense. It's, it's an endeavor to write a book. What do we look for in the book? I mean, is it a traditional recipe book? Like you do things a little different than a lot of other chefs, a lot of other restaurant owners. So did that come through in the book? I think it comes through. I mean, there's um, about 150 different recipes, many at Bouvette and many that I've Recipes that I've cooked throughout my career, uh, um, sort of Italian and French things and people's favorite things and some new things and uh, some charcuterie and cocktails, a lot of 
chapter on wines. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole chapter on aperitifs. So uh, it's a lot like uh, the gastrotech that Bouvet is, you know, a little bit of a lot of a little, as you said earlier. And, uh, you know, just a romp through somebody who taught themselves how to cook, you know. (laughs) So tell us about this. So it's really about hospitality. I mean, more. It's about the full event of people coming over and sharing breaking bread together. It's about gathering in the the space that that you have, using things traditional, untraditional, you may not have thought of to serve dinner, and just sort of taking the formality out of a, a lot of a lot of uh, things, uh, you know, big dishes or uptight cocoa. traditions and this and that, yeah. or following rules. Yeah, it's, they, they they're made to be broken a little bit. Yeah. I agree with that. So uh, tell us about this gastrotech concept. I mean, you've mentioned this a couple of times. I mean, is that how you would define uh, your work? I mean, gastro, what what does it mean exactly? Well, let's say um, it's a word that uh, we made up, sort of, Mm -hmm. that refers to uh, just eating and drinking, you know, uh, dedicating ourselves to eating and drinking in, uh, again, uh, an informal environment. So it's not so much a restaurant where there's this course or that course or breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It goes all day long. Come in, no reservations, sit, do what you want, have a little, have a lot. We cook uh, sort of off the cuff, you know, uh, menu changes, but there's a lot of things. So yeah, it's tinier dishes, right? I mean, you have yeah. some pot au little cassoulets with many different meats that you cure in house and Mm -hmm. and things like that but then you also have just a little charcuterie board or uh, a hard-boiled egg which you make on the espresso machine right yeah well we steamed eggs that's part of the the charm of it as a gastrotech we everything comes from behind the bar and we steam eggs all morning long with prosciutto or caviar and uh, what else? Do, you know, uh, we do a lot of you know market vegetables, just plates of asparagus and vinaigrette, real traditional things. Um, but like I said, it, it goes all day long, and uh, you know you can do whatever you want. Most things, like you mentioned, small plates. Most things are meant to go with a glass of wine. So we're not really a wine bar. We're not really a coffee bar. We're sort of all those things. You know, it can be your indoor outdoor kind of picnic. It's sort mm-hmm. of the place I always wanted to hang out. Yes, for sure. No rules. Just, just leave us alone. With, but full of good things, things we really believe in, things that... Though, there's just one rule. We have to really love it. It has to taste good. And everyone there is happy, and, and you can tell. I mean, uh, well, first of all, it's beautiful. It's like a lot of uh, red tile and gold and mirrors, and you have little... Uh, it almost looks like it's drawn by lipstick, but little outlines of France and Italy, and you say exactly where the wines come from, and it's big and beautiful and... and uh, and you can tell the mano di padrino, as you said, the yes. hand of the owner. And it's not built all at once. It's built over time, right? It's constantly moving and churning and full of people and goes 18 hours a day. And, you know, it's, it's really just an imperfect place. But, you know, people enjoy themselves. And uh, that's important. That's very important. Now, is it a challenge to cook? I mean, you have a kitchen downstairs, and yet you choose to use it as a prep space, not as a kitchen. So has that been, I mean, what are the tricks of the trade of uh, cooking behind a bar and cooking so many different things? Well, like the concept, you know, the idea is uh, I'm going to build a, a bar with great food, right? So it's, there's this balance between eating and drinking all day. And uh, so the kitchen was I made the kitchen small, small enough for, it's a two-seater, it's a little roadster. One's going to wash dishes and chop and vegetables, and one's going to cook, and uh, then everything happens out at the bar. We, you know, 
steam eggs, like we said, steam eggs, panini breast, all that kind of things, cocottes. So, and uh, you as a chef get to be with the customer, with your friends while it's happening versus <laughs> in some yeah. basement somewhere sweating away. Right. It's all, it's all inside out and very exposed. Pass things over people's heads. You know, somebody needs a glass of Prosecco. Often they'll be handed the bottle and just, mm-hmm. just pour yourself. Or It's cool. You know, <laughs> that kind of, uh, you know, a very traditional way of uh, living and working. And you probably know from, you know, Europe that's... Not so unheard of, but here it is. Now I know why you have those tiny little glasses, so <laughs> that when people pour their own wine, they don't you don't lose all your profits on the customer. No, just kidding. But you do have those lovely little uh, cups for the sparkling water and all that. Yeah. I mean, everything is considered there. You know, it's uh, you know it's it, it's not really that that tiny. You know, it's I get uh, it's but it's forty uh, seats or something or thirty. Uh, no, it's forty seats and 40. ten outside in the on a, our little deck area. Mm-hmm. And but it is you know everybody squeezes in it's not for everybody i mean there's you know we don't decant wines it's not precious or anything like that it's you know it's probably somebody's elbow in the back of your neck half the time as we bump through the dining room but um at least we (laughs) you know like i say people enjoy enjoy it yeah well people uh, it goes a little bit against the tradition of well give people what they want they have to get the same thing every time You kind of, uh, well, Alice Waters told me this lovely story about Pierre Poilin, uh, the French baker, that when he became, uh, when he moved to Breve, I guess, and really expanded the production, rather than have a top-down system with 500 people and one guy was the top and the 500th guy was the lowest one, instead, out of one central oven, he had, I think, like 18 individual baking teams each one that made loaves using the same dough and the same fire, but they were charming inconsistencies. And uh, it kind of goes against this American idea that everything has to be the same every time. So, um, I mean, does it ever backfire? I mean, I know from Heritage you just order food from us and you don't even, you've told us specifically not to tell you what's coming, and then you just get a delivery and you make it work. No, you have carte blanche. A lot of of foragers or suppliers or farms, you know, just they have carte blanche bring what what they have and mm-hmm. we'll figure it out on our end and it does that always work oh i love to cook like that yeah, but is there anything can... that throws you a curveball like if you get a pig's head versus uh uh livers and 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 cow innards and all that no it's you know it, it's it allows for that spontaneity that freshness it keeps uh, uh you know myself and our cooks on our on our toes it, it's it's it breaks up the monotony of you know doing same things I, I think it's essential to keeping energy in the kitchen that a box i love that mm-hmm. and i'm not good at planning and note keeping and lists i don't like any of that you know um we'll do we'll do a a roast bring it out um serve it there and there when it's done it's done you know we'll tell the cook up oh, get here early or come back later or it's right. in the oven it'll be out in 20 minutes or another tartar tan will be 15 minutes you know i can imagine how this could be frustrating but it's uh you know, <laughs> no, it's, better it's what that. we're going to do. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, the, the whole uh, uh, removing any creativity of the workers and the middle management. I mean, your place also fights against that, as you say, keeping them on their toes and such. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, I'm very fortunate. A lot of people there are passionate about what they're doing. We enjoy it. So when you send the pig head or when you sent two pigs head, you know, the only challenge is, well, that's going to cook for four hours. 
get some room on the stove. <laughs> Jump up and grab the big pot. And, uh, you know, the waiters are going to sell pâté de tête for, you know, a couple days. For a couple days. For a couple days, yeah. Now, um, where did you learn? I mean, who were your mentors? Um, I mean, because it's almost like you. I'm expecting you to say that you had 50 or that you just had one great mentor who just taught you everything because you really have to do different things. It's a very diverse menu, especially when you consider it's all made right there at a bar. Yeah. A lovely gold bar. Yeah, well, it, it's it's challenging, but, I mean, that's, again, I find that so creative. Like, if I want to do duck all orange, and in the in this gastrotech, you know, setting on this long white marble bar, the glass of, uh, you know, Bordeaux, you're probably, I'm going to reduce that idea to maybe just one or two bites, and mm-hmm. that's that's what's fun. I mean, like even I love oxtails, but it's not a place where you can have a big bowl of oxtails. So we'll turn oxtail into a, a marmalade and serve it like a potted meat on toast. Mm-hmm. So you get uh, you know the, the sensation of uh, of that, and I get to use those products. And so big ideas become little ideas and manageable. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, really, really fascinating. So. Uh, um, do people try to copy you? I mean, I imagine, like, I've heard, uh, you know, Keith McNally's places, people go in with measuring tapes, you know, and, and try to, you know, copy his things. <laughs> and I imagine if they do that for him, I mean, you must have people in there all the time being like, how does this little magic zone work? Uh, do you, have you seen that? Well, I think people come It's a form come, of flattery, I know. Yeah, but. people come in and they're inspired and mm-hmm. they, they see it and then they realize, wait a minute. Everything's happening here at the bar. Everything's within arm's, arm's reach. Wow, this is really fascinating. So I think it, it is, I hope it's inspiring. I mean, the, so many things have inspired me to get me where I am. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned mentoring. Um, yeah, who is? Well, I, you know, I would say um, I'm self-taught, knocked on a lot of doors, still learning. And uh, it, just that journey of going somewhere, of going to the source and looking around and saying, wow, this is incredible. I've never seen this before. How do I do it? I want to participate. You learn culture, you learn language, and then you don't even know. You're having such a blast, you don't even know it, you know. And no exams, no tuition. Lo and behold, mm-hmm. you're employed as a, a cook, Yeah. you know. So I've worked in some really great kitchen. I've known, I have friends who are... Here in the States or... Uh, yeah, and let's see, I was probably the worst cook ever with Thomas Keller at Raquel's many, many thousands of years ago. And that was a great culinary, you know, traditional beginning. And uh, I faked my way through the whole thing. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I worked six years in Italy and saw every season and, uh, you know, saw a lot of beautiful things that inspire me. Mm. Fantastic. Um, and uh, so now uh, you might open in Paris. I mean, I, I know you might not want to talk too much about this because it hasn't happened yet. But, um, I mean, tell us about that because... That is not many people mo- go from uh, Manhattan to Paris. I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like very many people go in that direction. Maybe other people come this direction. But. Well, it's funny, you know, when I when I do Italian food, I end up working with a whole bunch of Italians, and then Bouvet. Here I am in Bouvet doing my first French place, and uh, it's uh, I'm working with a lot of really uh, French guys. Just mm-hmm. start knocking on the doors, and it, it's very interesting. So. I worked some wonderful people, and uh, we're planning to do a bouvet in uh, in Paris, and it should be happening in the summertime. And it's, uh, I mean, it's a it's a, a challenge in, in the dream. Who doesn't want to go hang out in Paris, right, and right. Uh, mess things up? <laughs> yeah. 
you know. Where is it going to be? Uh, we're the, we're going to be in Pigalle, in South Pigalle. Okay. You know? I'll tell you more. I'll tell you more about it when uh, when but we're popping it, champagne. Right? Are, are you nervous though? I mean, to go to Paris because oh, yeah. I mean that's a that's a big move. And well, I was nervous to go stage in Japan. I mean, you're you know to stay nervous or to take to challenge, you know. You got. I've always had nothing to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I make a mistake. I mean, you know, um, I don't. You know, what can I say? We'll see. Time will tell. So this Time is, uh, how long have you had Bouvet? It's your only restaurant. Right. It's right? Uh, Bouvet's my only restaurant. Uh, we're starting our third year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's just, it's, just it's a lot do. of fun. Oh, it's, it's great. It's turned into a really nice neighborhood place where people can feel at home. It's the kind of place once a day, twice a day, three times a day, three times a week, people can stop by. Mm-hmm. And was that your idea to go to uh, Paris, or did someone approach you? I've always wanted to go to Paris and cook and gre- and get food and see, you know I mean why why open a bouvet if I wasn't in love with uh, I know. French food? You, you know? really do feel like you're in a different pl- you know, city when you go make tartartans and mm-hmm. uh, you know all kind you know so it's a uh, it's part of the chef's DNA I'd say to uh, explore and try for sure for for me anyway to do these new things and of course. Like I say, at the source, it's it's completely different. Well, uh, I, I hope we, everybody has stopped listening and running to Bouvet right now. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about time and how time intersects and interacts betwixt and between at Bouvet. So stay with us and we'll be right back. You're listening to Favorite Flower by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Stay tuned for more from the main course with Patrick Martins. that has its own USDA-inspected red meat abattoir or slaughterhouse and its own USDA-inspected poultry abattoir or slaughterhouse. We partner with Whole Foods to deliver our high-quality meat and poultry from Miami, Florida, all the way to Princeton, New Jersey. One family, one farm, five generations, 145 years. A full circle return to sustainable land stewardship and humane animal stockmanship. For more information, please visit our website, whiteoakpastures.com. Joe, who was that playing? That was Pamela Royal. 
Pamela Royal. That's her. She an ex of yours or something? We Those won't go into that. A remarkable amount of the music on our station are women that you've uh, gone out with at some time. Uh, it's a, thank God. Thank God you're a New Yorker. Uh, you're, you're decorating us with great music. Well, I'm in studio with uh, Jody Williams. Uh, very interesting to talk about this restaurant visually because I can't explain it. Uh, although I will say that when Ann and I are like, where can we go? Where should we go? You know, we want to go to someplace kind of cool and special and not run of the mill. And, you know, well, I'm like Roberta's, but I work right here and I'm here all the time. And then we'll both at the beat time be like, Bouvette! Yes, let's go to Bouvette. Like, that's the kind of energy that this place inspires. And, uh, in fact, I asked my friend Craig St. John's, uh, you know, Craig St. John, I was like, hey, uh, Bouvette, any questions? He's like, I went there three times a day when I lived on the west side. And uh, he reminded me it's Alice Waters' favorite restaurant. So it is a very cool place. Everyone needs to go. So uh, when people come, just getting into the time uh, conversation when people come you kind of said just now interestingly time starts when people walk up to the door right because uh, well explain why what you meant by that well the concept of time in restaurant i mean from the perspective of the uh you know the guests to the cooks to you know the the, the product and everything so when you come to bouvet you know no reservations there's no we don't even really know where the phone is so you don't have a phone <laughs> well the phone we're so busy who's going to stop and answer the phone yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. it does nothing you know except um but we do respond to emails so but anyway so <laughs> you come to the door it's easy there's a piece of chalk and a glass you put your initials like a pool hall underneath somebody or one of the waiters uh will do that for you and then the, the waiting might begin, or you seat yourself right away, or you squeeze in over wait? here. people wait? Like, let's say Alice comes in. Do you always have the ability to seat her somewhere uh, within a few minutes, or might she wait an hour, too? Well, people are really patient, and I have to say, you know, there's, there, we have just the sense of civility sort of rises when they get to Bouvet, and everybody graciously will, like, find a corner and have a glass of something mm-hmm. and, and wait, and we, we do our best, but it's, it's no reservations. First uh, come, first served, mm-hmm. and uh, but you mentioned time, and it sort of starts there with your initial. And you never know. Somebody's in for just a glass of wine and, you know, some great cheeses. And then somebody else is, like, having a, a wine tasting. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's hard to gauge. But it, it moves fast. Whatever it is, it just keeps moving and things open up. And mm-hmm. waiting seems to be part of the pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And um, so, yeah, you walk in. You have seats to the right. Then you have the bar to the left. And then you go up a couple st- stairs. And there are just, like, two, three steps. And then there's the... The kind of back area. So uh, tell us about uh, the menu. So well, when people come, are they mm-hmm. supposed to have a drink uh, within five minutes of being there? I mean, how is time there? Once they're seated, how does it progress? I mean, well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, no rules. You right. mean, I mean, if you want something, and uh, we'll get you something right away. You know, I mean, hopefully, it's um, it's not a place. That's like I say. Is that so? It's formal that you're going to wait and they're going to bring and decant and show you the label of wine. You know, it's you want a glass of, you know, a Sancerre. You're a con- you know, it's it's a quick paced place. Yeah. I mean, we don't want you waiting. It's not an expensive, credible, yes. incredibly expensive place either. So why wait? Right. But uh, um, you know, we expect uh, we do our best to make sure everybody's greeted and comfortable and know 
where to drop off their bag or hang up their coat if they need to and get them something right away. You know, let's get started. And so tell us through time through the menu. So what things on your menu take the longest amount of time? Mm -hmm. What items on your menu are prepared a la minute? Well, I think uh, let's let's talk about baklava. Uh, we'll get fresh cod in, and that gets salted. So that that's going to take uh, more than ten days just to get the brandad to you, which mm-hmm. should take only like eight minutes. <laughs> so time starts. We need Way we need early a, on yeah, that one. and then we have to desalt it and soak it, and then we make it, and that's about three hours. And then you know we'll put it into um, little crocks and toast bread. So. By the time you've requested Brandad, hopefully we're getting it to you in like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So. And you just heat it, and, and that'll all happen in the uh, basement, down, I mean, in the kitchen downstairs? Uh, no, the, well, the kitchen's actually upstairs, uh, and it it's, just, it's just sort of uh, where we'll do baking, and we'll, we'll do cooking, and some grilling, and sardines, or whatever. And everything happens at the bar, mm-hmm. so the Brandad's there, and the toast, and we'll prepare it. We're serving it chilled in like little crocks with stacks of toast, and olive oil, and and then other thing, and what are you cooking on? I mean, is this uh, is there a little grill? I mean, uh, what, what what do you use for heat? I yeah. mean, I know for hard boiled yeah. eggs you use the espresso steamer, right? Well, those will be steamed eggs, steamed and we, and we do hard boiled eggs. We have a lot of hard boiled eggs decorating the counter, wrapped in uh, brown paper, and under the egg there's this uh, seasoned salt, so you mm-hmm. can put it in your pocket and take it out with you. But um, people lean over. The guests lean over. The co- Where is all this coming from? Is there a <laughs> dumbwaiter? Or it's yeah. you know, uh, it comes from there. We have panini press. We have a convection oven, and we have the espresso machine. We steam soups uh, in the winter on the espresso machine. We're doing pesto soup with a dollop of uh, pesto, basil pesto, off the espresso machine. Steamed eggs, you know. Uh, it's, just, it's a puzzle. It's a buffet's yeah. a puzzle where I'm, I'm always putting these pieces together and like, ah, well, this will work. Let's do this or let's do oysters. And uh, we'll open the oyster and um, white wine, shallots, and a little olive oil and put the top back on mm-hmm. and roast them and come out. So, you know, it's like I said, it's a puzzle. But uh, most things come from the bar mm-hmm. right then and there. So. And the cheese plates, of course, and charcuterie boards, right? I yeah. know you, you support Anne uh, with her cheeses. Right? Well, like Anne almost has carte blanche, too, like you. You know, like wow. pick something. Well, you know, I I get the benefit of uh, her knowledge and her good taste and excellent cheeses. So, you know, she recommends something. So just bring it. That's she, fantastic. She turned me on to a lot of really great things. Well, she's only 30. She doesn't have carte blanche yet. When she gets <laughs> to be my age, 41, then she'll... Uh... Oh, the mad, yeah. So now tell us, so you have a... I wanted to get back to this. Um, you were talking about you have a whole chapter on aperitifs, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, of drinking, basically. Uh, sure. So, I mean, why? That's interesting. Why is that a very important part of the gastronomic experience? Uh, yes, and it's my favorite part of the day. Tell us about it. <laughs> oh, the... Uh, the hour of the aperitif, Which right? is what? Uh, anytime noon to seven or well, something? Well, you may know it uh, as happy, happy hour. Oh, you happy may call hour. it happy hour, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm a vulgar American. Yes. By the way, we are having a little... Would this, this would count, right? Yeah, this would count. We are drinking uh, also Alice Waters' favorite uh, thing. It's bougie. Bougie Chardon. It's Chardon. Uh, a demi-sec uh, rosé sparkling from Savoy. And we're drinking it in a uh, mason jar with a lot of ice. That's right. So uh, tell us, why is it, uh, what is happy hour? I mean, you obviously like more than just the alcohol. I mean, there's a culture behind the aperitif. So uh, what is its role in the meal? Or 
it's in the it's day. a stop before the meal. Let's say it's uh it's you know it's it's a moment where you'll meet up with friends or you'll chill out after work or you'll get some kind of refreshment or unwind before you go on to your meal or you'll turn it into your meal. Right. Uh, so um, the aperitif, you know, it's um, wines, uh, it's charcuterie or cheeses or little things you might want to enjoy. It's a great moment. It, it's a great moment. So what yeah. do you like? I mean, what is your happy hour? Are you oh. drinking like Cinzano or things oh, like I that? I love Campari. I love Campari and I love just some simple uh, white wines. I love this. I love some sparkling wines, Cremant, Champagnes. Um, in the summertime, on ice is a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing something called uh, bibonade, which is a made oh, yeah. up, another made-up word. We're infusing fruits with wines and serving them over ice with a little bit of more sparkling. Is that like, uh, so wait, uh, bibo, what do you call it? Bibonade. Bibonade. Sort of like yeah, the Italian bevanda. The Italian bevanda. So you just, it's like a big, or is it Mexican sangria? Is that similar? It's a little simpler, a little more cleaner than sangria. It's just uh, wine with fruit and sparkling um, and more champagne, and a little sparkling water or champagne in it. So we'll pick peaches or just single fruits. So right now we're doing rhubarb and we're doing a rosé from mm. Cote de Provence. We infuse the two and serve it over ice. Hmm. Just a, It's sort of a, a, like a little wine cocktail, but it's nice. But I think what I like about aperitif is uh, just a moment to do nothing. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, have a bowl of olives or some almonds or, you know, some uh, focaccia. And, uh, it's so much more civilized than the American tradition where, you know, the husband or wife gets home, they pound a whiskey, you know, just to cleanse the day but i mean it should be a sit down you take 20 minutes a half hour and transition from the work day to the personal yeah, yeah, yeah. it needs it deserves its uh, moment so you know it's it's and it's yeah so there's a chapter on aperitif yeah <laughs> we learned two new words today uh joe when you tag these make sure that you t- trademark them for uh, jody gastrotech and bibonad. 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 Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to come and try it. Well, um, this has been a very, very interesting. Uh, again, this is uh, radio is a tough place to convey what is cool about Bouvet. But uh, Jody came on uh, our radio show uh, a couple of years ago, or three years ago. Who were you with? You were with. Uh, oh, I was with Rita Sodi, the chef and owner of Isodi. Isodi. How is that? Right on Christopher Street, right? Yeah, 105 Christopher. Uh, excellent. Really. So going good. Going good. Fried artichokes, Negronis. Oh, best. man. The best. And I know that Bill Clinton's been there, and uh, I hear about all these funny <laughs> stories about famous people going there. So, yeah, this is a little secret into the underground. I, I almost feel like we shouldn't air this show uh, after this now. Yeah, just what so are you doing? few people, so not too many people go, but uh, we're big fans. So um, let us uh, take up Joe. How is uh, Sam online? Joe? Joseph I'm calling Sam right now. Well, we did have uh, Sam Edwards is our largest buyer. He buys about 300 of our hams every single week from wow. January to August. 
after August, he does not buy from us anymore because of the temperature. It just doesn't work anymore. Where is Sam Edwards? He's in Surrey, Virginia. I buy his ham. Oh, good. Yes, you buy his ham. That's our Uh hams, which you buy raw sometimes. Small world. 400 days, uh, although he just sent me one uh, that was four years old. Wow. And it was very, very delicious. Hey, Patrick, I have Sam on the line right now. Sam Edwards. Hey, Patrick. Hey, uh, we just have, uh, I just found out just now that uh, my first guest, Jody Williams, is indeed a S. Wallace Edwards and Sons Surrey customer. Absolutely. Wow, great. Need more. I need all of them I can get. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll definitely stop by Bouvet when you come into town for the fancy food show, because that's a little crown jewel for your customer base. So, Sam, you were just back from the Ann Arbor, Michigan, hosted by Zingerman's Community of Businesses Baking Camp. Are you not? Yes, I just landed, and I'm pulling out of the parking lot now. <laughs> so tell us, how was Bacon Camp? Uh, tell us about your talk and who was there and what was discussed. Well, um, it was about, I'd say, 70 people that uh, came to for two days, three days, actually, three-day event. I was there just for a day and a half and um, talked about everything bacon. I mean, how to cure it, what kind of woods do you use, what, what kind of fresh pork do you start with. And I brought your name up in the middle of that conversation about where to buy pigs. Um, what was the goal yeah, of really the event? really interesting. We had bacon served every possible way you could think of it in desserts. Uh, you know, you think of breakfast and that kind of thing, but they had it served in, in every seafood dishes, uh, drinks, um, bacon weaving, <laughs> didn't even know there was such a thing. From Bibonad to Baconad. <laughs> so uh, yeah. tell us, uh, what was the goal of the event? Was it just to bring the great bacon makers like yourself uh uh, and uh, Alan Benton together in one place to discuss the future of bacon, or is it about a celebration of the past of bacon? What is it? I think it's all of the above. I think really what Ari's been trying to do over the years is, is well, first of all, it's crazy how um, people want to come and just discuss everything bacon. I mean, when he wrote a book about it, um, they kind of came to Zingerman's to learn more, and there were people that had been, that had all been four camps, there were people that had come to all four, I'd say maybe 50% of them had been to at least two, uh, and 50% it was their first second camp, so, um, I mean, we talked about, among the, uh, well, it was actually three ha- uh, bacon cures there, it was Dusky's, Edwards, and Herbeck House. With LaCrosha. We get to try, try three different, totally different types of bacon, uh, or actually talk to three different, us about three different ways of curing bacon. But the really uh, interesting part, he probably had, for me anyway, 15 different bacon companies hmm. with their bacon representative. So you got get a chance to try a lot. Did you taste anything new that blew your mind or that's going to affect uh, the 82-year tradition of S. Wallace Edwards and Sons? Well, I, I was not so much uh, the bacon itself, but the way Alex at the Roadhouse prepared it 
uh, bacon hash. Uh, they had uh, donuts covered in chocolate and bacon. They mixed the chocolate together with bacon and um, bacon apple pie. Uh, I mean, it was... I wish I had the list in front of me, but I'm driving down the road now, so I can't. I'm trying to cope my memory. I hope you're uh, driving to the hospital to get your arteries declogged. This sounds yeah, like well, a hypercaloric. Yeah, no, we it out with plenty of good old fashioned beer and, <laughs> and and other libations. So, what did you say in your speech? So you get up there, you're like, "I know how it started." As you all know, I am Sam Edwards. And then, what did you say? <laughs> well, I told him our story. The Edwards story about my grandfather. Being in the business, starting out in the business, he was a ferry boat captain and started carrying meat to uh, uh, sell ham sandwiches on the ferry ride across the James River from Surrey to Jamestown back in the 20s. And then one thing led to another, and uh, he got into the business full time. But I, I showed him how we do it. Uh, we did a little video before I left uh, so they could see the um, how we do it in our smokehouses. Brought a fresh belly to Ann Arbor and had some uh, of the Bacon Camp folks come up and actually dry salted and showed them how to hang it for smoking. And then Alex was going to smoke it in a little smokehouse they have out behind the restaurant. Mm. Well, a week from now, he can have dry cured bacon. Well, very, very good. And uh, Al Benton didn't make it. Well, what did you think no. the best bacon was besides yours after yours? Uh, you know, I, really, all of them were good. Um, there weren't any bad ones. They were all unique in their own way. Um, some uh, super sweet, if that's the kind you like. Um, some that were, um, well, like, for instance, Herb serves his raw, like a pancetta. Mm. Um, that was different. So what? Good, but different. What niche of the bacon world does Edwards fill? Is it this amongst the smokiest? Is it amongst the 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 leanest? Like, what is your? I mean, I know you use the Berkshire pigs, so I mean, it's a, a little. Uh, we dry cure, we dry cure the bacon versus ninety nine percent or or greater of the bacon produced in this country is pumped. When you run it through an injector and you pump up into the which means that they're selling water with the, that they've injected into the product. Ours, we use salt and sugar and rub it down, leave it in cure for about uh, seven days, and then smoke, wash it off, and smoke it hmm. four days. Firetail, I think, probably a more intense flavor than most that you'll find. Not real sweet. Well, very good. Well, um, thanks for your report. It's very interesting when a bunch of people in the food world get together, especially uh, in a niche like uh, making bacon. As Ari likes to say, I remember him saying, "It's uh, bacon is the American olive oil. Uh, you know, it's used just like olive oil uh, is in Italy. Uh, yeah, I would say the only heated topic that came up was uh, the uh, treatment of pork. They actually had a guy come speak on how animals are handled, and there happened to be somebody in the audience that was a, a pig farmer, and he got a little upset because he feels like he raises animals uh, in a humane way, but um, 
he uses barrowing brakes and that kind of thing. So a bunch of folks stood up in defense of the pastor certified humane movement. Um, breed diversity, we talked about. You know, all the all the topics that you like to talk about. Good, and good. Do something, and do something about. Yeah, I know. We're doing something about it by actually helping the farmers to do it the right way. So uh, uh, putting our money where our mouth so, is. So I put... So I'll put your name on the list to come speak next year. Oh, thanks, Sam. You're welcome. Uh, well, I'll see you there, but I'll see you before for the fancy food show. And I know you got some events planned around New York at Seersucker, at Roberta's, at your stall at the fancy food show. Virginia comes uh, comes for real for that event. So uh, we'll be having you on, if not before, certainly uh, at the end of June to talk about the state of Virginia and all the amazing artisan foods that are coming out of there. Awesome. Well, thanks for the call. Happy you land safely. Thank you so much to Jody Williams for coming in. Thank you for having me. I'm already looking forward to your next visit. And uh, thanks to Joe for engineering. And stay tuned for Straight No Chaser. Or no, it's not Straight No Chaser. It's, what's it called? What Doesn't Kill You. What Doesn't Kill You. Cool new name, cool new logo. Followed by the Mike and Judy Show. Um, and then the morning after. So thanks for listening and for supporting Heritage Radio Network and for becoming a member, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>